morning, everybody. Let's see. We're going to start off with some calisthenics, if everybody doesn't mind. Just, I'm just joking. <clears throat> um, let's see. So, the overarching theme for today is going to be more along um, mindset and attitude. There's, there's a lot of different angles you could come from in talking about better communication, and there are... Uh, I don't know, thousands of different techniques and tools and you know tips and tricks and, and all that kind of stuff that you could talk about um, specific um, patterns and ways to take turns and all that kind of stuff and th there's a lot of really good things like that and um, in, in a therapy setting you know there are times where it's good and helpful and appropriate to talk about that stuff and then there's also mindset, attitude, uh, philosophy kinds of things that matter as well. And, and they're both important, you know, because if you only ever talk about the philosophy, mindset kind of stuff, and you're like, well, how do I apply this? I'm not sure, you know, then that, that's missing something. But if the only thing you ever talk about is the specifics and the tips, tricks, and tools, and then your attitude and mindset is is way off base that stuff's not going to work very well and so it's important to talk about that stuff and <clears throat> there's uh, one thing that I want to hit on not so much mindset attitude but but just a, a concept of how communication can break down and there's Probably not going to be time for this, but I'm just going to give you a heads up in case anybody's interested. Um, and I've got one more class that I'm teaching, so who knows, maybe maybe we could end up doing it there. Um, but there's, if there happened to be enough time, depending on how things go, um, there you've probably heard before some things like I statements and, and the echoing process for as far as some basic communication tools. If, if we had time to get to that, I think what one thing that could be neat is to have a couple come up and volunteer and kind of go through that process here live and I could coach them through it. So if that sounds like fun to you and if we end up having time, then, you know, I may call for volunteer, but we'll just see how it goes. Um, <clears throat> I imagine I'm the only therapist that's ever drawn two stick figures to illustrate something before. Um, let's see. This is not something I learned in, in school for psychology or, or therapy. This is something I remember in undergrad in some basic speech class. Um, and it's always stuck with me and it, it seems like important information. This is, again, this little illustration I just wanted to throw out there. And it's more about understanding and not blaming. Um, sender, receiver, and noise. Does anybody 
ever remember learning about this sort of concept? See a couple heads shaking yes and some no. <clears throat> Anytime there's two people communicating, you're going to have a sender and a receiver and noise, and there are at least three different ways that communication can break down. And the reason I think this is important is because it's so easy when a couple's having some sort of communication difficulty that when, when there is self-focus and some level of pride, it's very easy to assume that if there was a communication breakdown, it was the other person's fault. So if I'm, if I'm the one talking and you're not hearing correctly, that's the problem. You're not hearing correctly. You know, you, you should have been listening better. And then on the flip side, if I'm the receiver and then somehow there's a communication breakdown, then, and if I'm prideful and self-focused, then my obvious conclusion is that, well, you said it wrong, you know. Um, that's probably not always the case. So with the sender, you've got the actual words that they're saying and then you've got everything that kind of falls under the body language and nonverbals. So you've got facial expression, you've got tone of voice, and you've got, um, you know, actual literal what the body's doing and if it's facing towards her way and all that kind of stuff. And um, so, so just within that, you know, there's so many ways that the message can be altered based off of those things. So like, um, if, if this morning, my, this conversation did not happen, but if this morning I had said the words, are you going to wear that to church? There's different ways that that message could come across. I could have said, are you going to wear that to church? Or I could have said, are you going to wear that to church? And, and of course, probably in elementary school, you remember learning that, I feel like I remember learning something about this in elementary school. Just like emphasize the, the different word in the phrase and it just totally changes the, the meaning. And so <clears throat> based off of that, with the sender, there's a lot of different things that, meanings that could come from that. And then you've got the receiver in their, the way they're hearing, what's on their mind, and um, how they choose to interpret it, and their background. And if any time someone in my family of origin said a thing and they said it that way, they meant it this way, so therefore obviously my spouse must be meaning it this way. Maybe, maybe not, you know. Um, <clears throat> or if one person's from the north and one's from the south, and this person's used to sarcasm, and this person's used to subtlety, you know, whatever, different things like that. And then with the noise, it could be literal actual noise. Like right now, I'm talking and there's a praise band above us, and you could get distracted by that. Maybe now that I've said that, you'll be more distracted by that. Just focused on it. Um, it could be a literal, like a loud bang where the the sound waves are canceling out whatever words are being said. And it could be things like stress. It could be quote unquote baggage and things from your past that um, are complicating the message. 
So, really simple idea, but if, if you recognize and remember this, then you'll know that Hopefully, you're more likely to have grace and understanding and not just automatically assume we had a com communication breakdown, it must be the other person's fault. Because that's really too simple. And it's usually probably a mixture of all three things as well. This is probably the worst whiteboard I've ever seen in my life. Wow. There's a lot of noise. There's a lot of... I really didn't even need to scribble anything. What is this? Um, <clears throat> there's two verses that I go to more frequently than any other when I'm talking about relationship stuff. Uh, would someone like to read... I say verses, more like passages is probably the better word. Would someone like to read Philippians 2, verses 1 through 11? That's a, a therapist trick. If you just be quiet long enough, someone's going to break. Yeah. Philippians 2, 1 through 11. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. <clears throat> Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should not each of you should look not only to your own interest but also to the interest of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of, every, at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So in that... Um There was when I was an undergrad, um, two or three times in quick succession, I heard someone doing a some kind of devo, and not not the group from the '80s. This was originally from Ohio, I think. Not that devo, but like a devotional, um, just in case you were confused about that. Um, that I, I heard that passage being uh, used, and so I thought, well, maybe God's trying to tell me something. And so, for some reason, I decided to read that passage every single day for a month. And um, it was a, a very powerful thing, because I read it very different on day 30 than I did on day 1. And it's the kind of thing that just 
sears the message onto your heart and it just becomes part of who you are. It's like God's spirit um, influencing your own spirit. And I highly recommend, I'm sure there's, I know there's many verses that it would be good to do this with, but um, I would highly recommend taking that passage, Philippians 2 verses 1 through 11, and just set out to read it every single day for a month and see if it doesn't make some kind of difference in in your heart. Um, And it says, "In in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. So like of all people that could have boasted and bragged and said, you know, I'm all that in a bag of chips. I know they didn't have chips back then, so he probably would not have said that. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, he, he could have walked around like, hey, I'm pretty awesome, you know, but even, uh, like, of all people, he didn't even consider equality with God something to be grasped, but humbled himself, um, made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man uh, humbled himself to the point of death even death on a cross and so if indeed we're supposed to be followers of Christ and we're supposed to model our lives after him then we're not going to be focused on well I deserve to be treated this way or I you know somebody darn well better listen to what I'm saying you're, if you're going to die to self um, you're much less likely to be focused on getting your message across and <clears throat> as people mature we start out way more prideful and self-focused and comparing self to others and less self-aware in life and then hopefully as, as we mature, we move to greater levels of humility, which in, involve getting outside of self, dying to self, um, and in, instead of comparing self to others, you're recognizing you have value, so does everyone else, and you also become more self-aware. That's sort of the journey of life. And um, everybody's heard it's more blessed to give than to receive, and you know, the, the common version of that is when you're a child and you're, you're uh, at Christmas time, the thing that you care about is getting presents, about receiving gifts. That's what's exciting about Christmas as, as a child uh, for a lot of kids. Um, I guess there's some kids that are more mature than that and they've already moved past that. But then hopefully as you grow and as you become an adult, your focus changes and you recognize that genuinely there's more enjoyment out of giving someone else a gift and, and making their, their day better and making them happy. And that's, that's a parallel version of moving from self-focus to others' focus, like how can I love and serve? And when you're talking about communication, the biggest problem like one of the hearts of the matter is exactly that process and that mindset 
um, it is still very easy easy even if you're an adult in a marriage relationship to still be sort of over here when it comes to we're talking I want to make sure that I'm heard I want to make sure that my message is understood and especially some people in a normal calm situation might be closer to this side and then somehow emotions come up you get hurt something triggers like a a past trauma or rejection that you've experienced it doesn't have to be like the big T trauma but like you feel hurt or neglected or something and you're just kind of your knee-jerk reaction is to shift way over here and in the only focus is I want to make sure that my message gets across instead of being over here where your focus is I want to make sure that my spouse feels heard and feels understood and that they feel safe to express themselves and know that that I'm listening with intent and so <clears throat> as you're growing like that kind of thing that I just described happens on a subconscious level most people don't think you know like you're in the middle of an argument and, and then you say you know I think I'm gonna be selfish and prideful so I'm gonna ignore what my spouse is saying and try to make them feel ignored and not heard and I'm gonna try to force my words and my thoughts on them to make sure that I get my say because that's what matters you know you don't do that consciously but that happens super easily anybody go ahead I was just kind of curious in light of the uh, artwork that you had before with the stick figures you've got this noise and the noise is often what complicates the ability to have helpful effective communication what does that look like what you're describing in the midst of the noise is it that's the harder part right because there's a lot of noise that we have in our own minds there's a lot of noise in our surroundings um, in our workplace there's a lot of things vying for our time and energy so when when you think about uh, a couple who is is in that moment where there's a lot of noise and yet they need to have a conversation about something important what, what does that look like with the instruction you just gave well, how would you answer that question? <laughs> You're the teacher. I know, but I'm assuming when you asked it, you might might have had something in, in mind. Just also to let me understand your question better. Do you have any thoughts on the matter? Well, well, of course, I've all got things to say. Uh, I'm just kind of curious if you're as you're thinking about applying this verse. Is is this where one? I mean, how does one do that? Do they just have to? self-control and say okay there's a lot of noise here and I feel like I've got something that needs to be said but I'm just going to pause and let the other person speak that kind of the idea yeah I think one of the one of the fears like if, if I'm talking with some people about this I think one of the most natural fears is that you think well then I'm never going to be heard like I will, I will never get to have my say and that's not that's not the goal in in maybe counterintuitively ironically maybe there's a better word for it um, I think that the chances the percentage 
chance, the likelihood of being heard actually increases if you become a better listener. Um, but when you've got two people and they're both um, digging their heels in, you know, like the <clears throat> there's this sort of polarizing thing that happens that the more, you know, the, the classic example is you've got like a, a tug of war and, and you've got two people, you know, like one person on each side. And if you're just standing there, like holding the rope, it's like, it's no big deal. But as soon as someone else starts tugging, then you're like, oh, I got to counter counterbalance this. And so I'm going to start pulling harder. And then as soon as that happens and the person on the other side is like, well, now I've got to pull. Um, and so then um, you start, start to lock in and if um, and, and become much more focused on here's my message and the, and the more that you know I've got my mouth open my ears close off so to speak um, now I think I'm going to go to go ahead and share this other passage because it kind of relates um, which is Luke 6 Um, in Luke 6 27 through 36 and <clears throat> there's really two sections to this and it's uh, usually labeled love your enemies um, but I, I always refer to these two paragraphs or passages as loving in the face of offense and then loving without expecting anything in return. And the reason I'm going to it now is the loving it without expecting anything in return. What I was going to say is, when I become a good listener, the other person, they can relax the rope because they're feeling heard. And so they don't need to be so locked in and with their heels dug in on getting their message across. They can kind of relax. If they know they feel heard, they don't need to fight to be heard. And so they're left with some time and space and energy to be able to listen. Now, you don't listen just so that you can be heard because that's just manipulation. And that's just like, I'm just biding my time making them think I'm hearing them so that I'll get my chance that's not a good attitude. So, <clears throat> so it says, and I believe this is in the Sermon on the Mount in Luke 6. I'm starting in 27. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. You could substitute that for spouse if you wanted to. Um, <clears throat> love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt. Give to everyone who asks, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. There's the golden rule. Um, <clears throat> I always feel like throwing in the, the caveat, I don't think this means that it's okay to allow abuse. And so if you're hearing this and you're thinking, well, I guess that when my spouse is being a jerk to me or if they're hitting me or something, I just gotta, gotta take it. You know, that's, I don't think that's what that's saying. Um, <clears throat> that could be 
a whole semester to, to wrestle with that question, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. Um, <clears throat> and then, then when it gets to the golden rule, do unto others you would have them do to you, I think, and this is my speculation, that the whole next part, 32 through 36, is recognizing that people could misunderstand this. Okay, so I'm supposed to treat people the way I want to be treated, so I'm going to treat people the way I want to be treated so that they'll treat me the way that I want to be treated. So he goes on to say, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, well, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, well, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting anything back. And then your reward will be great, and you will be sons or children of the Most High. He himself is kind to the ungrateful and evil men. Be merciful is your Father is merciful. Um, <clears throat> so again, I believe because I've, I've seen this in action, when, when your focus changes to, I want to love my spouse by making them feel heard and understood, the percentage chance of you getting heard increases and also that's not why you're doing it um, but the reason that I even say that is because a lot of people think my percentage chance of being understood is going to be greater if I force my way you know and, and that really is not how it ends up working does anybody remember Aesop's fables some people. Um, there's two that I remember that have just always stuck in my head from, I don't know, fourth grade or something. Um, one had to do with sour grapes and this like animal being up in a tree and there was a fox down below and they're like, hey, can I have some grapes? And the other animal's like, no, you can't have any grapes. And he's like, well, they're probably sour anyway. Um, that's not anything to do with what we're talking about. It's just one of the Aesop's fables I remember. Um, but the other one, I think this is an Aesop's fable. Um, there's a guy who's got a coat on and the sun and the wind are having a conversation. This kind of sounds like Job, the story of Job a little bit. Um, and somehow they decided to have a competition to see who could get the guy's coat off. And so the wind takes a crack at it and starts blowing as hard as possible and just like blow, 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 really hard wind. And the guy just holds onto his coat that much tighter. And he's, I have this faint memory of the illustration in my mind. Um, and so he just grabs on his coat and, and holds it as tight as possible. The, the harder the wind blows, the more the coat is going to stay on. And then the sun gets his try and just kind of beams brightly and just shines. And then the, the guy voluntarily takes his coat off. And um, when, when my mindset and focus is, I want to make sure that my message and the thing I care about gets into Ashley's cranium, 
then I'm going to force that as much as possible. Like I'm, I'm being like the wind in that story. And that's not uh, very helpful. Doesn't work very well. Um, <clears throat> so uh, using the, the, those two passages and the tug-of-war metaphor, um, sounds like what you're saying is uh, the tendency is for us to hold tighter on our own perspective. And so that's why the, the rope is taut. But if one operates from this way, like I'm going to give a, a, a more loving response, I'm going to just release a little bit of tension. I'm not going to let go of the rope because then the other one using it metaphor would fall and crash. Yeah. But if they release a little tension, like lean into their partner, then the, then the partner will have to also lean in because it's going to create imbalance. Yeah. And that's a way to start a conversation on in the midst of the noise. Yeah, and as I was using that tie rope metaphor, or that um, tug of war metaphor, um, I also remember a similar illustration that I think in some ways is more fitting of two people standing on each side of a, a boat and, and they're both starting out upright and, but they're holding a, a rope and then if one person leans out the other one's like in polarizing the roles they're like well now I have to lean out too because otherwise the boat's going to tip and then you know you get that same sort of phenomenon um, <clears throat> So there's one other concept I think I want to share with the five minutes that we have left. And this is, this is an illustration I heard in an Andy Stanley video. Um, we have, I don't know how many times Otter Creek has offered a class that was based off of um, I Marriage, the, an Andy Stanley series that he did. This is something other than that that was on communication and he had he had two signs up on on a stage um, and one of them was one of them said expectation and the other basically was reality or what ended up happening and and the premise being that there's almost guaranteed to be a gap between these two things. And so, what are you going to do with that gap? How are you going to fill that gap in? Because you, you've got an expectation which is almost an involuntary thing. Like you're, you're naturally going to have some expectation or desire on what you'd like to occur. And then something other than that is likely to happen. And so, since they don't line up perfectly, how do you fill in that gap? And <clears throat> I, this is basically the idea of um, giving the benefit of the doubt. And so you could assume something positive, which would be giving the benefit of the doubt, or you could assume something negative. And the illustration that I normally use is, let's say that there's a day at work where I get off at five and so I tell Ashley that I'm going to probably be home around we'll say 5.30 and let's say it's 6.15 and I'm still not home. So I, 
I even called and set an expectation for 5.30. The reality is it's 6.15. I'm still not even home. She has a choice to make at that, at that point. <clears throat> why, why am I not there when I said I was going to be? And so she could assume something negative. Well, he just doesn't care or he's having an affair or he is gambling or he just decided to go to a trip to California and didn't want to tell me about it. Like there's so many things you could make up of why I wasn't home if I was being a, like intentionally a jerk or something. So if she assumes something like that and I get home, how would you expect her to interact with me? Any thoughts? Suspicion, maybe a little curt and, or, or angry or upset, or the tone of voice is probably not going to be loving. Oh, it's so wonderful to see you. You know, <clears throat> she could, on the flip side, assume something positive, like, oh, maybe you just had to stay after to do more notes and he didn't realize it. Maybe there was bad traffic. Maybe he got in an accident. Maybe he decided to run to Kroger to pick up some things. And at most, at that point, she's. She might be like, hey, okay, like, I hope everything's all right. And notice with those reactions, there was no actual communication that happened. And the only difference is what she chose to assume. Now, knowing Ashley, she probably would have assumed something positive because she's nice and gracious and wonderful. Um, <clears throat> but, you know... There's so much power in there's an assumption made and then how she acts and how she treats me is totally based off of, of that thing before she actually finds out some information. And I could go in a lot of a depth about how that then in turn you could apply that to just general communication. But what I have found, I'll just say this is a final thing. What I have found is when a spouse assumes negative stuff about their partner, their spouse, the spouse is more likely to live down to those expectations and beliefs and assumptions. When a spouse assumes something good about their husband or wife, this, that spouse tends to live up to that belief and expectation and Again, you can speculate about why that is. I've just seen and believe that that's the case. And so that's something to think about, to consider. And since it's 15 till, then I'm just going to be done for now. So. All right. Thank you, Tracy. So, so the takeaway is uh, think about assuming